Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we have another creator conversation with the wonderful Tara Craig, um, who's joining us today. Tara is a singer, songwriter, and music producer now, right? Um, yes, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just reading off the stuff. Um, I have known Tara for years. We met back in 2009. Uh, just a long time ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do, we met at work and, uh, we do still work together tangentially and, uh, but you've continued to expand your music career and we thank you so much for coming and talking to us about that. Thank you so much for uh, having me. I'm really excited <laughs> to be with y'all and hang out and talk. So, um, I have, I guess, expanded and that, uh, just released a new record. So that Mm -hmm. And yes. like you were saying, Bill, the I think the big difference for me with this one was that I did produce it and engineer it and mix it and, you know, all of that stuff. And that was a huge um, expansion in mm -hmm. my skill set and just, you know, what it takes to make that happen. So pretty, pretty yeah, awesome. we, we've got questions because okay, I know perfect. almost nothing <laughs> about music other than I enjoy listening to it. Daniel's a little more musically inclined uh, than I am, and he and and we've all played with, you know, we've all played with the final cuts and some of the stuff, but I've never really played with Logic or even GarageBand. I just I don't have the ear for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Daniel, did you want to kick off? Because I know you had a well, whole long yeah. list of questions. Uh, I wrote some stuff out just because I was curious. So, because you mentioned producing this one, what had you participated in that process in the early in your earlier stuff? Or yeah, so. Um... The first album that I released, uh, Bill, I think you were at that release party, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I didn't make it to the party, but oh, I was okay. at everything you else around there. it, like around. the shows. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the shows you were promoting it and stuff, but I, I okay. kids, you know, kids stuff. I couldn't make it to the, the release party. So. Sure, sure. No, I'm just kidding. It happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, that album was, um, I recorded it at home which is similar mm. to this latest one. Uh, but the primary engineer was my drummer, Marco. And so the band kind of arranged it and then um, everybody played their own parts. This one is, uh, I recorded it completely on my own in my home studio, which has come a long way <laughs> since uh, back then. I think it was 12, 13 years. 15. It's a long time ago. Yeah, it's 15 years ago. We don't have to put numbers it, on things. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we it's 2013. <laughs> that album came out in 2010, so we can do that math. It's 13 there years. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, so yeah, I put everything. That was the first time I've engineered it and um, mm -hmm. mixed an album, uh, this this last one. And, and so you did, different. you did each piece individually, laid it all on top of each other. Put that all yes. together. Oh boy! Yeah, and, and I play every you... instrument as well, which is kind of cool. Did you do the so Did you do the drums that... on the new one? Oh, oh sorry. Uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> did Did you do the drums, the drums and stuff on the new one? Okay, okay. Uh, the electronic uh -huh. drums, yes. So there's a couple tracks that have an uh, electronic drums, which I did all of that. The acoustic okay. drums were Marco, so also uh, same guy from the previous albums. Cool. Nice. And so, did how long did that? Like from the point of like, I want to make an album to, okay, I'm done. Like how yeah. long did that take you? So long, <laughs> <laughs> like way longer than it should have. And I think, you know, most of the tracking actually was completed within a couple of months. I did the okay. bulk of it in like three months. And then um, as I started really getting into the mixing of it, I would learn new things and then I'd go back and listen. I'm like, Ooh, I can do that better. And so that was a, a long process. And then I moved kind of midway through, uh, through that from Oregon to Washington. So I had to like tear down my whole studio and it took a while mm -hmm. to get everything back up and running. Yeah, but then help. once I ended up setting it back, getting ready to go and start recording again, I decided to actually um, add like three or four more tracks. So I was going to do like mm. a five song EP. And then I decided, you know what, I've already, it's already taken a long time. Let's just go for it and put out a full album. And so then it took, you know, a get longer, but it, the whole process longer, was, yeah. was couple, about four years. Okay. okay. 
Um, so I, yeah. this, this sounds like a yeah. labor of love, or or is it <laughs> is it a labor of love, or is it something you can't not do? Uh, because we talk about I like think, the passions of yeah. creation, creators and stuff. Um, uh, both, I think. I think okay. um, I um, absolutely have to do this, like making music, and for me, maybe even more so than playing out live, which I love to do being in the studio and creating um, recordings has actually been a love of mine uh, since I started writing music. When I, one of the first things right. I figured out how to do, my mom had this like karaoke machine that she would take out and she's also, uh, she was also a singer and she would perform um, and um, go to hospitals and sing for patients. And anyways, mm. so I figured out how to use her equipment to go back and overdub harmonies on my songs. And so from the very beginning, since I, you know, at the age of 13, when I started writing, that was a huge passion and love of mine. Um, and then I've just kind of tinkered around with it long mm -hmm. enough and then decided, you know what, I really want to learn what I'm doing a little bit. <laughs> I still don't like, I didn't go to school for it or anything, but I, I, that four years was a lot of digging in and researching mm -hmm. and trial and error, you know, figure out. Kind of, and what, what software, it. I'm assuming software, what software did you use to, to drive it? Logic. Uh, it's all done in Logic. All done in Logic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I know you have a background in Macs in general, so I was wondering if you had gone. Because I, I know some people like do Pro Tools and other stuff, and yeah. I, I didn't know where you had decided to branch off into. Yeah. yeah. From I took that very logical GarageBand to Logic leap, you know, years ago, and uh, and I I love it. For me, it's it makes sense, and I think every, no matter what it is, whatever just you go spend in your the, bed, and I'll get you some here in a few minutes. Whatever you spend the most time on, you know, yeah. people love Pro Tools or Ableton or whatever, but yeah. Logic for me is my preference. Sorry, the yeah. kid stuck his head in. So <laughs> good. No. Um, so <laughs> as far as your writing process goes, do you are you a lyrics first or is it music first or do you? Yeah, the good question. So um, it depends on the song, to be honest. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. Um, but I would say typically I songs and at least half of the lyric or the, the music and you know half the lyrics or something will come kind of all at once. Oh, okay. That might be, I may have a guitar lick that I'm kind of playing around with for weeks or even a month before it kind of takes the, a bigger shape of a song. And same thing with lyrics. They may have ideas that are kind of mm -hmm. ruminating, you know, you're thinking about something and write down like a line. Um, but usually if I sit down and write a song, lyrics and music come together. That being said, I also write a lot of music for other people's lyrics, um, mm -hmm. including one of the songs on this record, uh, this third track, Hold My Sail. The lyrics were done by a friend of mine, musician um, who's in California now, and um, that was a co-write we did. So, um, And I do a lot of that. I haven't done a lot of the reverse where I write the lyrics and then someone else writes music. I've done mm -hmm. one of those. Um, so I, but anyways, I don't know if I can do your question. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You, so do you have a, any kind of training or background in writing music? Cause I know you said you didn't go to school to like mix and everything, but um, is, do, do you have a musical background other than performing? Like, I know some people are just like natural performers, but some people go to school for it. Or, yeah. Um, I don't have a music degree by any means. I did take some college level music theory and I was in okay. a lot of choirs and stuff all, mm. all through school. Um, but that's kind of the extent of my formal training. Okay. So well, you, did you have some? You did, so, yeah. You did, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. You said you did choir. Did you do any, any other instruments uh, in there? Did you like learn piano at a young age or anything like that? I took piano lessons when I was, uh, well, I started coming home from church and I would be playing the songs from the service and yeah, kind of pick oh. out how, you know, not full fledged, you know, yeah. huge arrangements or anything, but I could pick out the melody lines and you know, pluck them out. And so I was like, we should get you in piano lessons. And I actually didn't love piano lessons as a kid because I played so much by ear I struggled to learn mm -hmm. the written language of music um, and got more into reading music, um, vocal, 
as in choir doing the vocal lines and things. But, oh, okay. Okay. And then um, playing in, in church bands, learning how to read chord charts, both for piano and guitar. And that's really like the music I, you know, I can read that kind of music. If you put like a classical score in front of me, I would be, you know, I might be able to be like, I think that's a D or a C, but you know, that's kind of the extent <laughs> right. of it. Okay. And so what you said, you played everything. So what else do you, I'm sure you're not perfect at everything, but what else can you, yeah. can you noodle Far on? From it. Uh, yeah. On, on the record, I play um, piano and piano okay. and guitar are my primary instruments. And then mm -hmm. I also played bass. Um, and that's, that's really it. And some drum okay. programming, but it's just okay. bass, guitar, okay. piano, vocals, and nice acoustic and electric guitar. Okay. Very cool. So, all right. So this is a weird question, but we talked, we've talked a lot about visualization and how people perceive things in their heads and stuff. So do you hear the music in your head or do you have to play it to be able to hear it? Oh, that's a good question. I think it can depend. Um, okay. One thing uh, as far as like, sometimes I have an idea that it's like almost as you're playing or as you're singing, just kind of in that moment of being open mm -hmm. that like a new idea comes and is almost, you know, it's like in the moment and it didn't necessarily mm. exist before. Other times I may have a, something in my head that I'm kind of singing or, you know, noodling on um, before it really becomes a full idea. So okay. I think both are true. One thing that was really cool um, during the process of, um, creating this record and starting to really, I guess, find a voice as a um, producer and engineer mm -hmm. was the visual, like the way that I could kind of see the music as a landscape, almost like a piece of art. I mm -hmm. saw it very, like, as I was hearing it, you know, I'm listening for what's in the upper right corner or what's kind of in the background way over here and listening for those sounds um, it was a very visual experience for me um, and kind of what I either what I was hearing and what I was hearing then then kind of what I wanted to complement what was there already or what I wanted to take out maybe sometimes. Okay. So on that, I want to ask you a question that we're asking a lot of people, unless you wanted to ask it, Daniel, the, the go, you go. Okay. <clears throat> so <clears throat> when you imagine something, let's say you're going to think of Mickey Mouse, right? Um, and you close your eyes. Do you see Mickey Mouse or is it like a spreadsheet in your head? Uh, like he's this kind of stuff. Mm. What, you know, what, I just what did it happens to, in your mind? To see what I would yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I visually can, I visually see Mickey Mouse as you start okay. saying those words. Okay. Okay. So then when you say that you're visualizing the sound, are you actually creating some sort of, in your head are you are you seeing it or is it just i don't even know how to ask that question can you explain what uh, you see more than <laughs> i'm gonna try <laughs> okay. I think it's, it's a really cool concept even to talk about it because maybe not something i've given a lot of voice to or yeah. tried to explain it's a great question um i think like if i'm Sitting like, you know, listening either with speakers or headphones and just kind of um, closing my eyes and listening, I sort of place the sounds in a location. Okay. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you can, um, and I'm not seeing necessarily like notation. No, not at all. I'm not seeing notation. I'm not, none of that. It's really mm -hmm. more um, abstract thinking of like, okay, if these are colors, where is it really bright? Or where is it mm -hmm. too dark? Um, where do I need more depth? What part of this painting um, do I want there to be uh, maybe more negative space, or positive space, et cetera. Those, mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of mm -hmm. plotting it out almost as if I had a paintbrush and was kind of, mm. that's how I see it. If that makes sense. So do, do you, because I'm trying to think of, this is so alien to me, this, this aspect of it, because the way I experience <laughs> music is a little bit different. Um, I have music videos that run in my head. Like I'll have imagery that has nothing to do mm. with the song whenever I hear one that goes through my head. Yeah, that's uh, cool. 
but it feel it feels like and tell me if I'm completely wrong you're almost kind of assigning abstract shapes to the sounds like this is the drum line this is the electric guitar this is the vocals and it feels like you're almost moving it around like it was a gooey 3d interface type of thing is that kind of what it is or is it waveform or um no i think uh, i think that's pretty close um but i would say yeah not necessarily shapes like we would think of like circles or squares but maybe more like you said the waveform um okay and kind of like how does it make you feel so like you hear a sound and maybe it makes you feel energized or it makes mm -hmm. you feel you know like okay where do i want more energy in this painting where do i want more or do i want it to be more soothing so those are the kind of things i'm thinking about and I, it would be misleading to say i have like a an actual picture mm -hmm. Fair but enough. it's just kind of how i conceptualize it while i'm while i'm listening to it if that so is that the same when you're just listening as a as a passive observer of someone else's music do you do sort of the same thing or do you address it differently at that time i think it depends on the intention that i have behind the music you know sometimes okay. like it's it's not like i'm just driving in my car and i'm I have to pull over and I'm over like, I mean, I'm, I'm open to that happening, but that's not very <laughs> common. Usually I'm just singing and having a good time. Um, but that being said, I also like, if you were to say, send me something you wanted me to check out, um, mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to pull it up on my phone, like right now and listen to it. I want to like carve out some time to really sit mm -hmm. with and actually listen to that um, piece of music because I do notice that when I like that is going to be a better experience for me, I'm going to get more right. out of it versus just like multitasking. And to mm -hmm. your point, those are Daniel, that's kind of like when I have those moments is when I'm really being intentional mm -hmm. about listening to music. Okay. Um, it's kind of a, almost like a practice, I guess. Yeah. And, and do you, and so when you're thinking about song, when you're driving in the car and you're, thinking about the thing that you recorded are you sort of seeing that as as you're thinking like oh that should be that that's what needs to be brighter i can see it now later yeah yeah okay. that definitely okay. happens for sure okay a lot actually and that's one of those things so where when it took so long for me to make this record because like the engineer that i was at the start versus you know mm -hmm. who i hopefully continue to grow into heard things that they that I didn't hear two years ago, right? right? Or I heard it, but I didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. And then uh, I got, and so getting to the point where you can be like, ooh, I want it to sound more like this. And then you know right. how to execute it. That starts to get really fun, you know? Yeah. And you go back. You, I'm you barely there. <laughs> you didn't even realize it was wrong until you figured it out. And you went like, oh, I need to do this thing to. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. Or I knew it wasn't what I wanted. But I couldn't figure out how to get from A to B. Right. right? I just knew yeah. like there's a chasm here, and mm -hmm. yeah, I'm and, missing a yeah. tool that I don't exactly. have. And then yeah, you yeah. have to you have to work this. Uh, it's almost like you have to put in the reps to figure out how to do the different things like anything else, which makes sense. I mean, I I don't think about it that way because I know nothing about it. But then you, you describe it, I'm like, well, obviously you have to you have to do it to get better at it, right? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And literally, there is a paid, there's a service, um, and I have signed up for it, I have not done it very, as often, just <laughs> like most of us with many gym membership memberships, right? yeah. we know we need to go to the gym, but there's yes. a, a, a service called Tone Gym. And it's, mm. it's, it's, that is exactly the whole idea. And you listen to um, a clip, and you have to identify the type of reverb or can you pick the frequency this is at? And um, that's the whole idea is to train your ear and to get sharper. So you can find that's that's really cool. fix that's awesome. Uh, that, that, that something like that even exists. And to think that you know, know. 20 years ago, that that wouldn't have even been a thing uh, technology wise, uh, yeah. or it would have been massively expensive because yeah. you would have had to go somewhere to sample the stuff. And um, so I know there's a lot of growth that you've done. Uh, between your first album and and this one, but what is uh, so? And, and I want I want to hear a little bit about that. But 
what is like the tech done as far as like is it was it easier to cut this album now i, I not that it was easy but compared to the first one you did yeah um um because i know you like you said your studio's improved and these kind of things is this something that could yeah. you have built this studio 13 years ago the one that you have now um you know cuz you know great we, yeah that's yeah. <clears throat> that's a really good question and i, I honestly i think no, because one of the things, well, I think it would have cost a lot more, you okay. know, and, and part of that is acquiring things over time, mm -hmm. but the technology that we have as consumers is incredible, right? The fact mm -hmm. that people, that these artists like Billie Eilish, right, that can, they can, her and her brother can do that album in their house the first, I think their first album they did at home and, mm -hmm. like that's amazing and mm -hmm. I, it was that was starting you know 13 15 years ago and I um, but I think today like the the technology is so much better our computers are so much better you can do mm -hmm. so much more with less without the official formal studio Mm -hmm. The other piece, and this I think has been incredible um, and absolutely made this album possible, is the ability to work, um, well, the internet, the ability to work mm -hmm. over the internet. And so the the drums were played by Marco, who is my longtime drummer and friend who works in Austin, who lives in Austin. Mm -hmm. And he did not come out here and record them at the house. We did. He just sent me everything. We would, I would listen back and I'd send him back notes and that would, that, you know, as you can probably assume that takes more time because we mm -hmm. weren't in a room together where I could say, Oh, I love that. Do that again. Instead, mm -hmm. he would record the whole thing, send it to me. I'd listen and be like, okay, yeah, that part there. I, I love that. Do that again, but change these other parts. And you know, so mm -hmm. that back and forth uh, was a long and tedious process. And yet it is possible because mm -hmm. of the you know technology that we have and i love that that's to me like a mind-blowing thing that i can record music with friends and colleagues from all over the world i've recorded music like done projects with people in you know, other countries and stuff and um, that's really cool well and, and so i oh go ahead i hang on I, so the the i know it's i know that it's takes longer but would you say that it there's a benefit in the time that because there is so like is it better that it takes longer or is it better that if you just like did it real quick together in a room no i think it is it's a yes and and a different okay. and different um situations warrant different results for me personally i loved being able my previous album uh, i did an ep mm -hmm. in austin in 2012 and that's the only in-studio album I've done. And you go in with a budget and you have however mm -hmm. many days you can afford, however mm -hmm. many hours you can afford. And if mm -hmm. you don't love that take, it doesn't matter because you're out of time and money. So I loved being able to take the time to get things where I felt like, you know, where I was happy with them, where I was proud of it. So I think it was critical in a, in this situation, it was positive. At some point it started to become a negative where I was mm. like, okay, I just need to set a deadline because you can hear things that you want to change and do over all day long, every day. Right. And yeah. so I started giving myself these arbitrary deadlines. Like you're going to finish this by December 5th. And that's, and I ended up having to do a few things in January, but <laughs> just cause I needed to get it out there. And because yeah, as creatives, you know, it's like for me at least, then it becomes this uh, blockage. Like it's just sitting mm -hmm. in there. Yeah. And every time I want to yeah. sit down and write something new or whatever, it's I, this album, this record, I got to get this done. Yeah. Um, so I just need to get it. I had to kick it out of yeah, the nest at one. It, you know, it sounds like, point. it sounds like a similar trap to aspiring authors who won't put a novel down 
like they keep working on the same one over and over and over again. And yep. one, one of Daniel's and my favorite authors, Jim Butcher, and what he says is, write the novel, put it aside, do the next one. Write the novel, put it aside, do the next one. And he talks you – know, so you're literally getting your reps in because he's like, if you just massage the novel indefinitely, yeah. it will never be done because you always want to do something. Like you're saying, there's always something more to do. And at some point, you just have to be yeah. like, here's my thing, right? Yeah. Mm. And, and so I think that sometimes is the beauty of having the deadline of mm -hmm. you know, the studio time or the production in the, the publishing company saying, we need it by now. We need mm -hmm. it by yesterday or whatever, because you do push through and, and that can be really great. So that's why I say, it, I think it's yes. And, and I also think there's something that can happen. Um, see, I, I did all of, like I said, I did all the instrumentation myself except for Mar Marco and I working remotely. Um, but there is something really magical that I think I would love to have more in future records is that getting other musicians together in a space for a, mm -hmm. per, you know, a, a certain amount of time. We have mm -hmm. a, a week to put this together. And there's just that kind of magic of the in the moment dynamic that you know, I think you miss in something like what mm -hmm. I did this time, which is that long drawn out they, process but that, that makes sense there's there's an energy of people being in the room that's different it's like you said we can't we yep. have the technology to do this and you can produce something amazing this way I, it's almost to me it sounds like do you want italian or mexican right they're both yep. good exactly but, yeah but but they're yep. both very yeah. different potentially um, yeah but there is yeah. something special about about sitting in a room and mm -hmm. yep and doing it. So you you said you did a studio record before. How mm -hmm. how much time did you end up taking in the studio? I'm trying to remember. I feel like we had three days, maybe. Um, and wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, we had like a setup night, and then three days, and then a teardown, mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah, it goes so fast. And I mean, we knew the songs. We were tight. It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't like bad you know there's things i love but it also felt uh it felt pretty limiting at that i don't know looking back like again there's a there's a lot of benefit of being able to take time to go back and say oh i you know we can do this part better or let's try this something different um, mm -hmm. and if you have no more hours you can't do that right so now this is a, a, okay so if if you you guys know the songs. You feel tight. You go in and record the the set. How was it like? How many y'all do? Six or uh, eight or five? I think it's five. five. Okay, so that's twenty five thirty oh. minutes of of play time. Like, so it doesn't. I mean, that's three days. So, like, what what is it, it that takes so long? This <laughs> take, yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I know there's setup in between and there's recording issues and and all that stuff, but like. You get one take, and then what makes one better than the next, and why do you need to do so many, and what are you chasing, and yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So, it, it, um, in this case of the studio recording I did, we did not record live. So that's – and most albums are not recorded with everyone playing at the same time. Okay. Uh, okay. And so that is a huge part of what takes so long because, you know, I have to, you, you have what's usually called like a, um, now of course I can't even think of the term, um, like a scratch, a scratch track. Okay. And that yeah. might be, depending on what you need, it could be, um, you know, just an acoustic guitar and a vocal and you and everyone else then goes in and builds their layers mm -hmm. on top of that. And so then usually what happens is the, the vocals are done last after you have right. everything kind of built and then you go back in and lay those vocals down on top of the, you know, hopefully pretty good sounding song at that point, but mm -hmm. everybody has to get, everybody does multiple takes and that takes a long time to build those layers. So is that just for a clarity of recording that is just easier to record everybody individually rather than try to partition it off and yeah. And it, I mean, so part. like you go back and look at old, you know, 60s and 70s stuff. They were all recording at the same time. Why? Why is we have we just shifted because of the technology 
and it's just easier to do um, it this way now or I think that that is you might be thinking of certain albums that were recorded that way but not okay. that but we've been recording uh, like this for a really long time so it really oh, okay. depends on the um the studio the style that you're going for but people still i mean that is still done today where okay. people will go in and do everything live so it, it just depends on the engineer and the band interesting and okay really the, the kind of the vibe that they're going for okay now for your studio album or the the ep that you did did you have like someone there listening, producing, making decisions, or were you the one who was doing that when when you recorded like in the studio? Because you know you always see the the, the studios, the movies, and there's the guy in the thing going, "No, more of this, less of that." And I have no idea what they're talking about, yeah. but I imagine they're mixing stuff. Um, so who was who was running that for so, you yeah, when you, you were in the studio? We had a um, the the engineer and producer. Um, name's Britton and his studio is uh, Ramble Creek. It's in Austin. It's a great studio. Uh, they put out some really cool things. And so he's engineering and acting as a co-producer. I mean, I think everyone okay. in the band um, at the time, there's three, three of us, we're all having influence on what goes on each track, right? The arrangement mm -hmm. of the, um, of the songs. But then after the fact, when we leave the room, the engineer's making the decision on what kind of reverb, what mic are we going to use? Do we want to record this um, live or do we want to partition everybody off? What's the kind of the, the sound mm -hmm. that's they're making those decisions. Um, do I want to mic the amps? How do I mic the amps? Um, do we yeah. need d those darker tones or brighter tones? And so usually they're kind of the, the one painting the picture as an artist, uh -huh. you're going to have say absolutely. Um, but uh, what was so I think cool for me in this process of the latest record was that I, you know, I was making all of those decisions. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about that magic that happens in the live room and with that group of people, I think for me, what was really magical about this recent project, thinking of the other side of the kind of pendulum was it was really a process of me kind of finding my voice and, mm -hmm going with my own decisions, not being influenced, whether it's by another band member saying, oh, I think we should do it this way or by mm -hmm. a sound engineer. It was really me making those decisions and kind of painting that picture solo, which yields mm -hmm. specific results, right? Some things, not mm -hmm. that I think, not that I want every project to be that way. I think that would be a very lonely way to work for the rest of my career. But for, I think for this particular project, it was really important to can be that to be the the solo voice i guess <laughs> so that makes sense now that you you've found that voice are you inter are you excited now to go and like mix it up with an, a group again and yeah and have other people <laughs> play along absolutely uh, i actually have a a new project i don't know if it'll become anything but some <laughs> friends here on the island um, you know, playing music, writing music together. Uh, and so that's exciting when it comes to my own kind of solo stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think the next thing I would really love to do is to have a band, um, mm -hmm. that, you know, we're playing that I get a little bit more, um, it's good to have outside influence, right? I want to still yeah. be able to call, call the shots on my music, but, um, we're all better when we can collaborate. So I think, yeah. So very cool. Now that you've done some of the producing, the mixing, and making decisions on that side of the thing, because I'm thinking of like actors who start to direct, right? And they they kind of shift uh -huh. into that other thing. Do you have that bug? Do you have the desire now to try and maybe produce for another group of musicians? Like, are we going to see absolutely? Um, you know, Jane Doe and the John Smiths produced by Tara Craig <laughs> at some point? Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Yeah, that is, a, that is for me, I think that's kind of the dream. Um, I would love to and continue to grow those, grow my skills and um, hone, you know, my ear, like we were talking mm -hmm. about, put it in the reps and, um, and work with other artists. I have, when I hear people's music, I have ideas and like, oh, it would be kind of, that certain friends that um, 
you know, I'd, I'd love to start with them by letting, you know, letting them, letting me, them letting me kind of um, cross that bridge and make, you know, try that. I would love to do that. And long-term, that would be a huge, that'd be awesome to be able to like actually have a full-fledged studio and produce other artists. Cool. That would be cool. So you press the vinyl. Yes. Yeah. How, how, how do you press a vinyl these days? <laughs> yes, oh, I have one so cool. right over. I have one on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, <clears throat> you know, went through a Portland-based um, pressing company okay. called Atomic Disc. And they, from what I can understand, actually send it overseas, which was a bit of a disappointment because I thought they made everything mm. local. But oh. they, from one of the things, it looks like in my research, that's pretty standard um, is that huh. there are a lot of them are getting pressed. Um, I don't really know, but not, not here. <laughs> Somewhere. In like Europe, not here. Not places here. in yeah. Europe and. Oh, in Europe. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but it was a really cool process. Uh, the, as far as from like my part of it, it's not that different than putting music on a CD or cassette as a lot of people have started doing again, which really? kind of blows my mind. Sense. Like, yeah, yeah I, I get the return to vinyl. I don't yes. totally get the return to cassette. Yeah. But um, I think it does speak to the fact that people are really craving tangibles in a world where mm -hmm. everything is mm -hmm. so abstract in the streaming world. I think we, I love mm -hmm. the convenience of it. I love not having books of hundreds of CDs that I'm trying to fumble through in my car. But I also, you know, what do I, when I go to see somebody play, I want to buy their music. I want to support them. Um, and mm -hmm. the vinyl for me is a really great way to do that. And, uh, but from an artist's perspective, the big distinction is the master. So you have to create right. a separate master that's for vinyl. Uh, and otherwise, it's a pretty... So I'm guessing the yes. master for vinyl just has a broader sound profile than it would for CD. Yeah, it's that. Okay. Like, um, and I didn't really, uh, I was involved in that process, but I had a um, a mastering engineer that I worked with. Mm. Okay. And, mm, okay. Uh, that was and, really, really a cool experience. But he did a great job. You you yeah. mentioned that you do mentioned. You have do you have ahead, to Daniel. record differently <laughs> for vinyl? Not that I have been, that I'm aware. From my understanding, okay. it's it's more in the mastering. Now, I think that okay. being said, there's probably things that wouldn't translate as well, just if depending on the quality of the recording itself. Mm -hmm. um, but I like, I didn't do anything. I just did everything in the highest quality I could at the time of yeah. production. Um, okay. And bigger files, raw was... files, as much data as possible is what it sounds like. And then as little compression. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know a tiny little bit about that from like all the old windows days and stuff where we had to like decompress and recompress stuff. Um, you mentioned the uh, tangibles and it's, uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, oh um, no, I was just going to say that, um, the this is cool in the engineering the mastering process like what they're what that those engineers are listening for and um you know that's what really gives the final polish to anything that we hear is that mastering process mm -hmm. um, tangible uh, sorry the, yeah the, 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 the you mentioned the tangible thing and it's it's interesting because i'm i am anything but an audiophile right i'm not i'm not you know the the, the hipster movement all this stuff but it's interesting because there are nights when I come home and, you know, I, I take the music that's on my phone and I send it to my, my HomePod speaker things and that that's great. But then there are those nights where it's like, I want it to be quieter. You kind of cut the lights off. You put the candles on and you, you know, I get yeah. out your album or one of the other albums. Or what's really neat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're, you're on the couch, you know, the, the, the kids are down and it's just, it's, it's a different experience. And even the yeah. little bit of the scratch yeah. on the record, you know, it's it's just, yeah. and maybe that's nostalgic for me because I grew up listening to records yeah, with, my, with my parents. Um, yeah, but it's it's a different a sound. Thing. It's a different sound it coming out of my record player 
than it is out of my, you know, probably more expensive speakers and, and my, my well, streaming it, stuff. It yeah. literally, it, it literally is a different is. sound. I mean, the, the, they, they, they reduce that, that mm -hmm. audio waveform so much to compress it down into that file that yep. it, it yep. is yeah, even richer. So much sound. quality. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, nowadays, I, you know, fortunately, we have lossless and all these other mm -hmm. things that help with that. But still, there ha the it's not the same as just mm -hmm. having it mm -hmm. on this. You know, it's it isn't. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if y'all haven't Tangibles. listened to the record, if y'all haven't listened to the record, go listen to the record, <laughs> guys. It's wonderful. It's it's amazing. Tara has a magical voice. We haven't really talked about her music specifically, but she does as a magical voice. Um, before we end, I'm going to share a little anecdote um, about that. But um, what inspired you? Because I know we, we started working together and training together way back when. What inspired you to take the leap from I'm performing, I'm performing live music in Austin, right? Because it's a music town to I'm going to cut an album. What mm. was that? exciting was that nervous was that anxious is that something you've been wanting to do for a long time i mean what was the journey like from because austin has a lot of musicians right i mean there's a lot of people who play live yeah. music in austin and i know people who played live music for years and they love it but they've never considered taking that next step so what was that journey like for you yeah i think i don't know for sure like compare like if i think about other people most people who I have you know, known, been friends with over the years, if they're writing original music, whether as a solo artist or with a band, cutting a record is like, that's what you want to do. Like, that okay. is your goal. And um, now it looks a little different nowadays because it can be putting up a single. It can be, you know, there's a lot of variation to that, but I think that's that's definitely a a driving force for anyone who's actively creating music and sharing music. So for me, it was definitely like, um, that was the goal. That was the next step. So I had been um, playing music for many years before I moved to Austin when I, and um, once I had a band together or had a band and we were, you know, things were coming together in that way. It was like, that was the next step and what we wanted to do. Um, and I'll probably, I mean, I'm, I've always recorded music and I've always shared it, whether it was using that, my mom's karaoke machine um, <laughs> and making cassettes at the time, going back to that. So those were the tangibles I started with. And I would just hand out cassette tapes to my friends at school. And um, oh, yeah. I'm sure there are some of those floating around somewhere in the ether. So, yeah. so when, how old were you when you were handing out cassettes then? 13, 14. Oh my goodness! Okay. Oh, so there's some Tara yeah. Craig bootlegs so this has been a... out there. Yeah, I think so. So this has been a bug for a while, then. So... Oh yeah, yeah. Just okay. Started writing at a really young age. Well, 13, I started writing and yeah. playing, and um, and kind of going back to something that's been, I think, a thread in our conversation is the the passion that I do have for the recording piece of it because mm -hmm. I wasn't the 13, 14 year old who was like at every party let me get my guitar out and play for you. I wanted, I did mm -hmm. that on my time record and then gave it, you know, here's, here's this music, take it and listen to it. You know, so the, the creating um, the record of the music yeah. um, has always been a, a big part of the passion for me. Was there an album that, like, that, that gave you that passion? You, you heard an album and thought, this is it. And I want to do this or. Um, man, I don't know exactly, but that I will say probably uh, one of the most influential albums for me um, as a songwriter was Joni Mitchell's Blue. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> right. That's just like, okay, yeah. yes, this is amazing. And um, yeah, there's been many after that, you know, of course, but um yeah, just as a singer-songwriter, you're telling your yeah. – just writing music and having people hear it is is where it's at. So to answer your question, Bill, yeah, that's why we did it. That's why – and I will just continue putting music out probably um, in some form or fashion until I die. <laughs> that's awesome. And and I'm I'm so happy not just for musicians, but for musicians, for authors, for, for poets, podcasters, for you know, whatever we call the YouTubers yeah. now. 
it has become so much easier to self-publish without needing an organization mm -hmm. to do it. So, uh, I mean, just the fact that we're podcasting, like we were, we talked about trying to do exactly. this like five years ago, we couldn't have afforded to get the stuff. Now we can. Um, so this is really exciting for, for all this. Um, and one of the reasons we're asking some of this is we, we interviewed somebody who had written a book and they said, if they ever do it again, they're going to do it themselves because they now they know the distributors, they, they know how to hire the people and they don't need the production company. So uh, it sounds like a lot yep. of what you've done. Uh, are you you're doing all your own distribution? Because yep. I know a lot of your stuff is uh, you have CDs for some things, but a lot of it is like I get your stuff on iTunes and um, yeah places like that. So there's um, there are the like independent artists distributors like uh, groups that offer those services. Um, CD Baby is who I've used for years. Okay. And they, I think they actually also do book publishing potentially. I mean, I don't think they would call it CD baby, but anyways. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's great. They pay a, it's a service or a pay one-time fee. And then oh. it goes to all of the digital platforms. I can choose, you know, who exactly, but uh, Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, everything, you know, it's all included. Mm -hmm. And um, they used to, actually distribute physical music as well. So you could send them your CDs or vinyl and they would mm. keep them in their warehouse and mail them, ship them out for you. Mm -hmm. But they stopped doing that because I think probably there's two reasons. One, less people buy those things. Mm -hmm. And two, you know, I can do that all myself. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you're saying. So, I, I'm... so do you... Do you make any money from the streaming platforms at all? Is it five bucks or yeah. are you going to retire uh, and do that full time? I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh. man. And that is a whole can of worms, right? And then there's some new changes being proposed by Spotify right now that are pretty, oh, I hadn't heard that. Uh, we'll see what happens, but essentially, no, <laughs> I don't make it. I, mean, okay. uh, I think that um, for a stream of my song, for any one of my songs, I make like point zero 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 seven. Wow. Okay. Um, so this um, is and this is where the passion comes in, right? This is um, this is uh, where the day I, job comes in. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I mean, this is what you have to love it. You, you've got to love it to do yeah. it, right? Um, because Daniel and I were kind of joking at first because we were like, "Oh, we finally got enough that we could." Qualify for the monetized thing, and we made like thirteen cents. And you know, it's yeah. but we're still doing the stuff. I mean, it's 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 interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, what drives people to do that stuff is fascinating for me, uh, because you know we all have day jobs, and and we're doing that to pay the bills. But this is this is where you dump a lot of your energy in a good way, right? This is where you're focusing yeah. a lot of that. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, which which leads to, and I'm sure you've had them, leads to some interesting conversations at work, right? Because, you know, I get conversations in my day job. It's like, where are you going to, why aren't you putting your energy into this? It's like, because that's not where my, that's not where my focus is, yeah. right? Because I don't want to <laughs> be so tired at the end of the day that I don't want to come and do this podcast, right? Or uh -huh. I don't want to go into the studio and practice. And yeah, it's it's definitely, a I think, a, a struggle that many of us know. Um, as far as just balancing your passion with what pays the bills and mm -hmm. it's the dream to shift those scales a little bit, right? I'm sure if this podcast took off tomorrow and started paying the bills, it's like, thank you. Okay. And you know, I'm not going to argue with this. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we don't do it for the money. It wouldn't, be, right. it wouldn't hurt to make some, uh, make some good money doing it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, like like our goal is to have it make enough money to pay for microphones. You know, that's the, it's like yep. uh, exactly. yeah, um, it's like it'd be nice to be able to afford equipment and then like yeah. and then maybe maybe a place to record. Like that would be yeah. crazy, yep. but like you know, yeah, pipe dreams. Uh, so I know hey, you've you done know, a, some of these things can start to happen. I know you've done a couple of world <laughs> fingers tours. crossed uh, over the years, yes, right? World tours <laughs> um, and and. Uh, I, I thought it was amazing the way you leveraged like your day job to do those as well. Uh, are we looking at any kind of tour dates? Are you going to be coming back to Austin to play anything? Uh, do you, do you look at that? Like have, I, I understand you have to work around your day job, but are you looking at now that you've got the record out and I don't know what the creative process mm -hmm. is, but 
Uh, are you are you wanting to get out there to try and do some new stuff? Um, what what does that look? What's the future look like for like where I can go yes. see Tara Craig play live? <laughs> I would love uh, love love to have some Texas dates in twenty twenty four and other places as well. They'll probably be very strategically uh, focused. Austin mm-hmm. being um, a big one. I have a drummer there. I have people who might come out right uh, mm-hmm. to see the show. So um, and I can work while I'm there. That's a win-win. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully make that one happen. Other places, uh, Utah, Colorado, where I have friends and places to stay and know people. So yeah, I um, I was hoping to do a small. Uh, I had planned on doing kind of a small tour, really small, just maybe a handful of dates this summer and. Um, we had some family things, kind of larger extended family that prevented that. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely want to make it happen. It's that is the goal. So nice. Hopefully, I'll um, have something to you can share on this podcast in coming months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. absolutely. We we absolutely. we will. Um, uh, are, have you thought about trying to come back and play in and around like ACL or South by or any of the big Austin things, or or would you rather try and come and do it? When it's not that insane and and crazy, which which one do you prefer? Because I know you've done stuff around there before. <sighs> yeah, if I had some, if if I had some connections and in conversation, there was some actual great, you know, um, South by shows, for example, and uh, you know, unofficial stuff. Like um, I've had some, I've had some really great. South by shows and I've had some really terrible ones. And so (laughs) I think if I had something that, you know, was going to be a worth it, um, then I might consider coming at one of those busier times. But in general, uh, I know enough musicians in town and there's so much music happening in Austin that it's Mm -hmm. pretty hard to have a wrong time, you know? Yeah, I I know. I prefer to come in more quiet. Uh, A place I would love to see you play. And I don't know if you ever got to see it. Um, there's this little place in downtown Round Rock called the Alcove Cantina, and it's the old original cantina Ooh. from the like the 1890s, and they have live music like Fridays and Saturday nights in the back, and it's this big old like awesome. Adobe Western looking thing with no roof, so it's just like three walls That'd and then really the stage cool. is at the back. Um, so next time you're in town, you should you should definitely Ooh, check that it out. Great. But for your kind of music, yeah. it's it's a very small, intimate place. It seats about like sixty people, maybe a hundred max. You know, so it's yeah. real tight, real small, real, um, real intimate. And I've seen loud bands play there, and that's almost too much because it it reverbs off the yeah. the walls. Um, but uh, your how would you cla- what genre would you classify your music? How do you? Because I've always had trouble defining. Like if somebody's like, well, what kind of music does she play? I'm like, you have to listen to it, right? Because it, 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 it <laughs> yeah. I, I have trouble putting uh, you in a box, Tara. You, you, you do, you, you have such a such an interesting you know, type of music. Think, I will say thank you because that I think is part of the way I write is um, I'm not writing for a specific sound, and and some people like that, right? They like that you can they can put on my record, and even though it's nine songs there's sort of this journey of mm-hmm. feel and genre almost that you you know um and other people that's going to not be their thing and that's okay <laughs> but I, I think the the primary classification that i've come to use is singer songwriter because most people get okay this is a per, they, that means something typically they play um their main, whatever the main instrument is, they're probably the person playing that, whether it's guitar or piano or you know, banjo, whatever. And it's original, kind of more lyric-based mm-hmm. music. Um, beyond that, uh, usually like uh, like folk, but folk isn't totally feel right because that it's so broad, it's so almost generic, but um, alternative or and adult contemporary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which feels yeah, so I awful that that's right? so <laughs> you, I, I refuse to let you call it adult contemporary, adult contemporary. That's, yeah. feels I, I'll, I'll call it pop it just right. means we're adult adults and we're listening to it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you I, yeah I used to always go by like indie folk pop 
Um, yeah, that seems about Especially right. when I had a band. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of. I, yeah. I know. Yeah. I yeah, reach for your I reach for your albums when I've had a a rough or a stressful day. There's there's a there's something about your voice and this is one of the things that people ask me what kind of singers I like. I like all kinds of crazy music and it's fine if they do all the stuff and they mix it all, but for me the the artists that I just fall toward are like the way you can sing it, the way Johnny Cash could, the way Marty Robbins could. Uh, George Strait, the, these these people who can take a microphone and maybe an acoustic guitar, but they don't need it, and the music comes out. So if you've mm. ever watched the George Strait movie, uh, um, I can't remember the name of it, but he's all like overproduced. And at the end, he's like, "I just want my my guitar and sing." Right? Those are the artists that I go to yeah. when like I've had a rough day and I just need to let it all bleed out. Um, and there's a magic to their kind of voices, mm. and in yours specifically. And I, I want to share this because Tara's music was life-changing for my family. Uh, my oldest son is mm-hmm. autistic. I've talked about that. And he went through some really rough times where he was having meltdowns and we, we hadn't figured out his meds and everything. And one of the things that I could do if he was having his horrible nights is put on your first album on repeat and he'd be able to fall asleep. He would just It would all bleed out. And it was it was it was like a bomb, for lack of a better way to put it. And we yeah. found some other albums that did that, but it was all that same kind of artist where I know I could I go watch them on a mic mm-hmm. on a karaoke machine, and music's going to come out yeah. right, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to like people who need like auto tune to sing or something like that. Yeah. Um, well. I do think, though, there's I th- thank you, could because um, honestly, like that's something that you've always uh, shared with me over the years. And it's like when I need something to anchor to and remind myself, like, <laughs> is this worthwhile? Does anybody care? <laughs> like those moments, uh, they keep me going. So thank you for sh- always, you know, sharing that. And I'm so grateful um, that that was your experience. And I, I love the term that you used the like a bomb mm-hmm. and I think that that is I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the voice is a huge part of it because there's a very there is a specific kind of tone and register mm-hmm. at least for you know depending on the person that just kind of hits just right that's very soothing mm-hmm. and I also think at least for me that is a huge part of my intention behind my music is to I want people I want it to to hit in that way, not in a Mm -hmm. like not necessarily in like it's going to make you cry or anything, but just I want my music to be very healing for people in whatever Mm -hmm. way it is for them. Um, And I think there are certain there are some people who, you know, their calling is to make people dance. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's and they do it well and it's amazing. And you just yeah. And 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 so it's not a it's like you're saying, it's not better that it's like Italian or Mexican, right? And uh-huh. but at uh-huh. least the kind of music that I've done um, and probably will always do, well, I think I want that um, I want that to be, a, I want it to be a bomb for people. So, yeah, for, you. for me, you the fall. It comes to me as peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. yeah. For, for me, you it's fall into the same kind of music as like Johnny Cash's Hurt. That that kind of like it's not really a genre, but it's a, it's a, good... a it's a tone type yeah. of music. It's a sound, uh, but like you're right. If I want to exercise, I put on the Eye of the Tiger, right? If if I want to dance yeah. and just yeah. have a wild time, I turn on the Shakira song or whatever. And and it's it, it all has like yeah. you said, it all has its place. Um, but I guess where where am I going with that? Uh, and and again, I'm I'm a little retrospective right now because like I told you before, I had a funeral yesterday and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, it's, I'm just fascinated by people who can create this stuff because I've always struggled with mm-hmm. like, what's my creative. I'm, I've always been a, a doer or a facilitator on things as opposed to like, like I don't, I don't come up with the idea. I, I can execute somebody's idea. Right. But I don't, mm-hmm. it's the inspiration. Um, and the closest I've gotten is woodworking, but that's, I'm still doing stuff off of plans and things like that. So um, it just it, it amazes yeah. me that someone can like music can happen, and I'm just like where where does that come <laughs> from? You know, uh, 
uh, which is part of why we're interviewing a bunch of creatives because this is it's it's fascinating to yeah. me. Um, yeah, I'm rambling. So cool. uh, I know Daniel has it's, like real questions. A, no, it's good. It's no, it's all good. I was <laughs> just, it's it's interesting to because you know I, we going back to the perception thing about because I don't have any of that, so I don't. I don't hear music in my head. I don't have visual imagery mm. of any kind. I, I, it's all blank for me. I'm a weirdo. Um, but, but I, so I, I, a lot of the music that I listen to, I, it's cause I know the lyrics. So I like sing along with stuff mm-hmm. and that's just sort of how I, how I enjoy it. But then I also do, you know, there's something about, you know, instrumentals and calm music that I like. it's, you can feel it, but like there's yeah. a you can feel the intent there, but like it's it's a um, an unknown quantity that you can yeah. share an emotion with sound. Yeah. Um, it's have, it's a really incredible yeah. thing that exists. <laughs> there's there's a specific type of instrumental. It's a specific um, soundtrack, and I can see the entire movie in my head. And, you know, it's mm. the 1980s Conan the Barbarian that Arnold Schwarzenegger did. And I think it's one of the most beautiful music videos, because if you have ever watched the movie and really paid attention to it, it's a two-hour movie with five minutes of dialogue. It's all visual and sound. It tells the whole movie. Mm. In fact, I have the director's cut. They added one scene, and it doubles the dialogue in the film. It's, <laughs> it goes for five minutes to ten minutes. But... I can I can literally put that on and just watch the movie on like on repeat in my head and it's 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 that like iconic music uh, kind of like if you put on the Beethovens or if you put on the the Ride of the Valkyries or you know there's those certain yeah. musics that it well, it doesn't really matter who you are Duras, it's there man. like yeah he's one of the best you can't yeah, yeah um, that, that track is amazing yeah um so that kind of stuff is fascinating to me how those musics can move things through and and you can kind of hear it and see it and follow the story and i don't know it's just interesting pretty incredible i mean when like even as someone who makes music when you stop and think about it it's just like whoa i can't believe Mm -hmm. that's possible right and i think the same thing about pretty much any creative thing um, mm-hmm. to be able to just that we have that capacity and that yeah just the fact that you can like yeah. that it that that someone can like four people can get together and like you know bang on some strings and stuff and then you know the beatles and you're like wait a minute what mm-hmm. you know? like, what <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's oh, super it's... cool it's also for me, it's, it's one of our early art forms. And I wonder, because one of the things we talk about a lot on our podcast is like early hominids and development. And we think they are much more developed than we thought they were. Um, and we're finding a lot of that stuff out. Um, it's gotta be the earliest, you know, we, cause we know there's early painting that wasn't homo sapien that Neanderthal did it. Right. So they had to have made sound too. There had to have been like communication yeah. and song and, you know, we've see, we see um, orangutans and chimps bang sticks together to make sound and play and do stuff. And if, if they've been given instruments, they'll use them. So this is, is – it's such a primal, primal experience to try and put that out there. And even people who can't mm-hmm. play music or sing, like in a large group, this, this is something that fascinates me about like church choirs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or how you will go in and people will sing a hymn. And nobody could carry a tune in a bucket, yeah. but it works in this large group. And you all have just kind you of come seen together. the YouTube videos of the guy who plays the audience and gets them to half steps Ooh. and stuff. And he starts doing pentatonics with them. Like he'll get mm-hmm. groups. To, and it's just, that sounds you know, really cool. 3000 people in a stadium. And you're, it just, it almost brings you to tears. Cause everybody. Wow. So I've cool. been a part of a show that was similar based on what you've just, dis- what you've mm-hmm. described. One of, um, uh, I don't know if you, if either of you are familiar with Brandy Carlisle, she's kind of pretty popular now, but back in the day, uh, the first time I ever saw her was at, um, Hogue Auditorium on UT campus. And there's at that point, I think it was just, uh, clean as a three piece. And 
anyways, the point is they have a song and they break out everybody into parts and they kind of do mm-hmm. what you just described, Daniel. And it was amazing to have that happen yeah. in this huge crowd of people. And what you're talking about sounds, I mean, next level, like really amazing. Uh, but I think that's actually one of the things I get sad about is as someone who is sort of known as a vocalist, as a singer, people say a lot of times like, well, I can't sing. Oh, I can't sing. Oh, that's, and it's like, no, like to Bill's point when like singing in a group, that's, I think one, it's like this thing we're meant to do. We're meant Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. use our voice and to feel the, like the reverb in our mouth, you know, that's just like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a thing that we're supposed to do as humans. And so, um, we got to do it more, you know, you don't have to be, have a super strong voice, but sing and sing with others. It's very good for us. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great place to stop. Let's stop. Right yeah, there. That's, 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 a, that's amazing. That's perfect. Yeah.